welcome to the Sourced Week in Review for the last time in 2022. My name is Michael Crutcher. Jordan McDonald is with me as always. Welcome. Hi, Michael. Here we go for 2022. A sort of a look back on the year, sort mm. of, but making it current. So it's not just like a, a best of type of thing. Maybe that would be a very short episode. <laughs> yeah. best of. Probably a bit short. <laughs> so... We'll look back on a few of the things that we've discussed a lot over the last 12 months. I don't know mm. what episode number this is, 60-something. This will be our 56th week in review, right. 66th episode total. Excellent. Yep. Well, it's run throughout this year and I guess the easiest way to talk about the year itself is to go back and look at what were the, I guess, most popular stories of 2022 from from media what were the stories that had us in australia mm-hmm. i guess clicking and reading uh, and watching more than other stories and there was some information that was in the australian newspaper this week uh, based on um, statistics from stream which gave us an insight into these most popular stories of 2022. Take it away, Jordan. What were the stories that made us most interested this year? Well, they've actually split this into two categories. They've got the biggest single-day stories of the year, but then they've got this interesting other one, which is the biggest news stories of 22, based on how many hours it's spent in leading positions on major news sites. It is. So that is a bit different. So one of them is the stories that we, I guess got the most traffic yep. and then the other one is the stories that sat at the top of online sites the yep. most this year which is not a usual one so let's go to the stories that were the I guess biggest traffic getters this year what were the ones that made us uh, talk and uh, click more yep so the, the four that they've listed here we had the death of the queen obviously yep we had then uh, COVID the summer wave we had then the death of Shane Warne and the fourth most clicked on stories for a single day would have been the invasion of Ukraine. Okay, so they're the four. The death of the Queen, a COVID moment back in January, the death of Shane Warne, of mm-hmm. course, and then when uh, things really got serious uh, in Ukraine with Russia. Any surprises there for you? Um, no, not out of that list. I think for me that list makes the most sense. It's it's when we go to that other list that things start to surprise me a little bit. So talk us through that. So these are the stories that spent the most time leading news websites. Yeah, so I think there's about 10 stories there. Right up the top is COVID and that's up the top by a long way. It's over double um, second place, which is a war in Ukraine. So the, the war in Ukraine appears on both lists there. Um, federal election comes in at third. Floods, then inflation. We go down into the three prime ministers in the UK in three months. We go then to the two federal budgets in a year. The death of the Queen, that's the one that really surprised me down there at, what was it, third last. Or, and then you got Djokovic tonight entry into Australia and then the energy price coming in at the last spot there. So there's a real difference in how those lists have come about mm. um, and the long ones of course that are at the top of COVID simply because of the longevity of that there's stories yeah. all the time about COVID and of course Russia Ukraine stories as well about that so I'm interested in a couple of those points one of those in particular COVID is always there because it affects so many people mm-hmm. and if you're going to have stories that are really going to get the public 
attention. It's ones that really affect a lot of people. And COVID is a story you can't escape because it affects you somehow, whether you're the richest person in the suburb or the poorest person or you're male or female or whatever, these stories affect you. Mm -hmm. So COVID was certainly that. So that doesn't surprise me. Um, The other big thing we know is the power of the opposite. So that is the opposite thing to what you expect happen will happen. And that really gets people going. And for me, that you know, the big example of that is Shane Warne. Mm. You know, the uh, to use a cliche, the larger-than-life character, we wake up one Saturday morning to the news that Shane Warne has died, yeah. which is, wow, that's the opposite to what we expect. Uh, the Queen, even though the Queen was at a, an advanced age, still she'd been the Queen for all of our lifetimes. Yeah, that's it, that's it. So we don't have her there, so that generates enormous traffic. So I, I guess I look at that a bit more... Um, to say these are probably the reasons why. I'm not shocked at all by the most popular stories. I would have said the Queen um, most definitely uh, and Shane Warne in particular for Australian audiences. Uh, you uh, have any thoughts on that? No, no, I definitely agree with the list on the right there with the biggest single-day stories. I'm surprised that Shane Warne doesn't appear on the other lists. I mean, that, that story really sort of held Australia's attention for a long period of time, I thought. Um, And it has been at the top of news websites in recent days with the Boxing Day test having a uh, memorial to Warney as well. Yeah, that's it. But, um, yeah, no, you wonder how um, that list on the left there is is made because obviously it's the news sites and you'd like to think that... I'm sure that the the readers would influence some of the positions on that website, but ultimately the people who run those websites can place things where they want. Yeah, and also that, you know, sometimes there's decisions made to say, well, even though this story may not be generating Mm. the clicks, it's sort of something we should cover. So there is something of that. There's probably another uh, method of telling what's really working for audiences, and that's um, ad wars. Who's getting the advertising... Uh, dollars and we look at that because it's important because if you're winning advertising dollars that's because that's where people are going to uh, view things so um, we know that google and meta which is facebook of course um, has still dominate but not as much jordan tell us what's happening with the i guess the ad market for um for 2022 yeah so competition in that ad market is disrupting the dominance of google and meta so those two tech giants, and they're often referred to as the duopoly, uh, they control less than 50% of the ad spending for the first time since 2014. And some of the analysts looking over this reckon that trend's going to accelerate in the coming years. So the question is really, who are the disruptors? And, you know, there's a lot of things that impact this area, but um, the two biggest start with A, Apple and Amazon. Yeah, of course. So these two companies are probably the, the most significant corporate ad industry disruptors in the last 10 years. Um, we'll start with Apple. You know, though we saw last year that the Apple devices, they started asking you if they wanted to let the apps track you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We spoke about that. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, obviously, given the impact of Facebook's various data breaches, it's no surprise that a lot of people opted not to be tracked. Um, and this cut off the flow of iPhone user data to Facebook and Instagram, and that made Mr. Zuckerberg quite unhappy. That was a massive change for Facebook, yes, wasn't it? Yes, because it's uh, that that access, that data on your activity on other websites and apps was critical. It was part of yeah. the Meta ad business there, and they they reckon or Meta reckons it lost ten billion dollars from that decision alone. 
Um, so then, you know, this, this meta business, ads business has destabilised. It's opened the doors for a bit more competition. And because third-party user data was, was harder to get, bigger consumer-facing companies with tonnes of their own data about their own customers, they started launching their own ad businesses. So um, one company, though, had sort of started working on this before Apple made the decision regarding the uh, app tracking, and that's yep. Amazon. Their ad business now is raking about 30 billion US a year, uh, which is actually more than they make on Amazon Prime and all the other subscription services combined. So it's pretty big. Um, but yeah, the, the, the ads business is undergoing a pretty big shift. Yeah. Like even TikTok is a contender at the moment. They're expected to pull in about eight and a half billion US by 2024, which would make them the fifth largest digital advertiser in the US. But um, yeah, look, more people are leveraging the TikTok and Amazon platforms for search to for sorry to search for products and other ideas online, which is starting to pull some of that momentum away from Google. This is what Elon Musk needs to get happening with Twitter yeah. to try and uh, get uh, some of his massive spend back. But uh, that's not easy to do, given Twitter's been around for a long time and TikTok's on the up. That's exactly right. It will be very difficult. So this this whole area in the tech and you know who starts to creep up in the ads business is going to be very interesting to watch in 2023. Yeah, it will be. And what does that mean for traditional media? Because traditional media, of course, before Google and Facebook came along, was just the king of ad dollars. They just got it all. If you wanted to take, uh, you know, read ads or take an ad to sell a, a house or get a job, you had to do that in newspapers. Um, you wanted to reach, you know, the masses through TV, you could. There were no streaming services. So they dominated. But We've had a look at this now. There's been 15 years of carnage in that space. So it's worth just checking in on that because the last couple of years have actually been okay mm -hmm. amid all the uh, the trouble. That's because Google and Meta um, pumped a stack of money into uh, newsrooms around the country, traditional media newsrooms, because uh, there was a threat of looming legislation if they didn't. Um, COVID, of course, made everyone... Um, wake up in the middle of the night if you're an ad you know a, a traditional media um news executive thinking where's the advertising dollars going it was so uncertain but it's been a good couple of years this week though a report came out that said that the standard media index which is a guide to advertising spend through media agencies which is so critical was down significantly on the same time last year so compared to the same month last year radio was down by about seven percent Metro TV ad spending was down by almost 10% and newspapers, 26.3% down on the that's same time. That's got to hurt the papers. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's, it's off a base that's already severely mm. impacted. So, you know, this is a sign that the very strong post-COVID advertising run is over. It's done. But the news, apart from that, that really rocked traditional media this week were the numbers from Nine's majority-owned domain business. So domain being its online real estate advertising service. And domain revealed this week that it would miss its earnings predictions for the first half of the year. And even though it had cut costs by $6 million, big cost cutting, it would still be down 21% on its earnings at the same time last year. So that was like a a bomb going off because they're such good businesses. So the main share price sunk almost 10% and the media sector went with it this week. 
News Corp will watch these figures with a lot of interest because News Corp is the majority owner of the competition leader, realestate.com.au. Uh, which has been a godsend for News Corp in recent years because it is a good business. Um, but if it's happening in domain, it'll uh, probably be a good chance to happen in realestate.com.au as well. So we've got this talk of a global recession maybe coming up. Advertisers don't like recessions because uh, it leads to less money coming in and then you know less spend on ads and therefore traditional media executives in Australia don't like that either. So... Uh, there's a lot to sort of talk about in terms of uh, for advertisers and traditional media next year and what does that mean? Well, there's less to, there's less to spend for that sector in Australia. Jordan, we talk a lot on this show about the metaverse and we can't sign off for 2022 without asking, has the metaverse progressed this year? So I guess we've looked at all of these potential things the metaverse can bring to us it's it's facebook's big play or meta's big play um has it progressed should we have seen more by uh, december 2022 uh it's not really progressed and i would have liked to have seen a bit more by this time of year um but it's been more or less well the last month has been more or less a month of everyone trying to just find their their space in the metaverse a bit you know, developers are trying to up their game. These enterprises showing off their initiatives. There are some colleges in the US who are working to hard to create a metaverse-capable generation of students. Uh, you got investors trying to make money and, and more. So, understandably, there are also governments around the world who are in a real dilemma. They're unable to sort of discern whether this disruptive force is here to stay or just a passing fad. Yeah, what do you make of it? What, it could be anything or it could be nothing. Yeah, and that's the same for crypto, which is a big part of the metaverse. You know, is this craze in crypto good or bad? Uh, and then they got to decide whether or not they tighten or loosen the holes and whether they really have any control over something they can't actually see. <laughs> that's right. Can't see or feel it. Yeah, so look, the metaverse today, I reckon is no closer than it was a month ago when we last provided an update. Uh, in fact, there's a few signs that things are starting to slow in terms of development there. So in the paper this week, there was a great summary of the, meta, the, the metaverse this year. And I'll read the quote. It said, Mr Zuckerberg has talked about positioning his company to become the leader in the metaverse. Over the past year, the company has been unable to gain traction in its efforts to sell its Quest VR headsets and lure users onto its metaverse apps. Doesn't sound too great. No. But, um, yeah, the article concluded to sort of outline that Meta's quarterly earnings report, they're going to pull in revenue of $285 million US, but that's a decline of 49% from a year ago. Pretty brutal. That is brutal. Uh, so the Metaverse, um, just wait to see there. One platform that is enjoying a big 2022 is, of course, TikTok. We've mentioned it a lot. A development this week, Jordan, in that, TikTok will now tell users why it's recommended a certain video for them. So if you're on TikTok and you think, why has this come up? What's going to happen? Yep. So in, in Australia this week, there was a great little story which says, you know, TikTok's going to start telling some of its, all of its users why it's recommended videos in their newsfeed. Um, and this is following demands from some regulators and campaigners for more transparency about the app's algorithm. There is some understandable concern about the security risk of the Chinese-owned platform. There's this perceived threat that they're honing and collection of 
the data of over a billion users could be problematic. Um, and there's also growing interest in the way the platform has managed to keep users on there for longer than its rivals. Yeah. Um, What's the secret source then? The secret source? This must be this algorithm. Mm. Honestly, it's, it's keeping users on there longer than any other social media platform. But um, the new feature is going to tell you if about a video recommended to you in the feed. It'll tell you if it's recommended to you because of another video you watched, a video you liked, um, a video you might have shared with a friend yeah. or a comment you made on something. Okay. Yeah. Now, movies, we've mentioned them a lot this year. What we've learned from movies in 2022, um, it's been a year of fight back for movies after, of course, COVID decimated the movie industry for a couple of years and yes. streaming services continued to rise. But without doubt, the biggest success story of this year has been Maverick, the Top Gun sequel. You can't look back at this year's movies. And we discussed Maverick, we did it last week. But uh, the fact is that this massive movie hit of 2022, it's a sequel that was close to 40 years in the making and it features a star who looks like he's aged maybe 10 years over those 40 years. Yes. But it just did huge business. It remains in cinemas now after its May release. So we mentioned in last week's podcast uh, about Jerry Bruckheimer. So he's the producer of Top Gun Maverick, but he's also the producing guru behind the original Top Gun in the 80s and a whole bunch of other movies. I mean, his, um, his filmography, if you like, includes Flashdance, Beverly Hills Cop, Pirates of the Caribbean, National Treasure, and TV shows such as CSI. So we mentioned if you're doing it that well, then you've got a skill for knowing what audiences like. And that's what we um, like to talk about here. What do audiences like and how do you get their attention? So we just went back and had another look at Jerry Bruckheimer uh, talk about one factor to the success of his productions. And this comes from the Awards Chatter podcast produced by The Hollywood Reporter. And Awards Chatter is an excellent podcast and it goes in depth with some of the biggest names in movies. In a recent episode, it did have Jerry Bruckheimer on and the Awards Chatter host Scott Feinberg asked Bruckheimer to explain the high concept definition of his productions and what high concept means. High concept is... If you can tell what the movie's about in a sentence, in a short phrase, that's considered high concept. And why was that kind of groundbreaking? Why was that important? Well, it's about advertising. It's about making impressions on people. And if you can capsulize your story in, in very few words that get, puts images in people's minds and excites them, that's a concept they want to go see. It hasn't changed. Can you... Give me and our listeners what the one sentence might have been, just to, so they can Im uh, imagine this. For you'd have to wake up Don to get this. <laughs> wake up. Okay. But go ahead. Well, I mean, those first three. I mean, everybody knows those movies. They know what they're about. What would the high concept have been to explain them to somebody who knew nothing about them? Well, Beverly Hills Cop was a, a cop from Detroit who gets thrown into Beverly Hills and has to deal with whole different class of society and disrupts it. Mm -hmm. Top Gun is an inside look into a fighter pilot's life with Tom Cruise from Risky Business. Mm -hmm. Flashdance, uh, a girl who wants to be a ballerina who has to work in a, in a bar and dance in a bar. So, Really interesting take there from Jerry Bruckheimer. And Jordan, my 
take out from that is you just have to keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't make your audience think too hard. What are your thoughts on Jerry Bruckheimer's uh, high concept definition? Oh, I love it. It reminds me of the, the elevator pitch that we learnt in school, you know. Um, if you can't explain it in, in simple, simple terms, short and sweet, then maybe it's too complicated, complicated and uh, your audience won't engage with it. Yeah, I think sometimes we can think too hard about some of these uh, different um, ways to get audience attention, but simple's good and that formula that uh, Jerry Bruckheimer has used... Uh, doesn't impress everyone in the movie industry because, of course, I don't think he's actually been Oscar nominated before. Oh, right, okay. So I think he's trying to get his first Oscar nomination with uh, with Maverick, so even though he's been around for uh, a long, long time. Now, there was a fascinating story in last weekend's Sunday Telegraph in London, speaking of movies, about actors who mumble on screen. That's right. <laughs> We know they do. We know this. Certainly. So we're glad that someone has written about this habit of actors mumbling on screen. Here's a quick extract from the Sunday Telegraph piece by journalist Ed Power. He said, The Hollywood mumble has a long lineage, yet in the early 21st century it seemed to have gone underground. Yet mumbling has come roaring back. It has escaped cinema too to become ubiquitous on television. It wasn't just 1940s Hollywood studio starlets who understood the importance of clear diction. Actors in the UK were trained in received pronunciation and with good reason. It was essential that everyone in every corner of the theatre understand what they were saying. Driving this new fad of mumbling is a quest for realism, in inverted commas. <laughs> Directors increasingly believe hard to understand dialogue is a mark of authenticity. And yeah. quite fascinating stuff in that story. This is why we're watching streaming services with subtitles on. Yes. A quest for realism in shows about storylines that are so far from realistic themselves that you've just got to laugh. Jordan, take it away. Is the mumble trend. In cinema and TV, is it good? No, I don't. I don't agree with it. I used to be someone that passionately hated subtitles. It would distract me from the actual cinem cinematic experience. Yeah. Um, so you got to read the bottom of the screen while yeah, looking at the action. That's it. But now I am that person that <laughs> must have them on permanently, or I can't follow the show. You know, I just have to have them on, and it's it, that's been something that's changed in the last probably three or four years. It's just weird. I always thought this is for the subtitles were for reserved for the the senior citizens among us, the hard of hearing among yep. us. Yes, mm. um, but it turns out at the ripe old age of twenty seven, that's where <laughs> I'm at. <laughs> I found this story so interesting because well, I think it's great. It comes down to how we uh, communicate, and especially in film and TV. And yes, the mumbling is around definitely. And sometimes I'll watch and I'll say, "Did anyone catch what that was?" Yeah. And people go, no, no, I didn't hear that. Mm. So that we had to go back because it seems like it's an important part of the show. Yes. That was just mumbled. Yep. Anyway, I'm getting on my high horse to finish uh, 2022. <laughs> we can't finish the year and our source podcast without mentioning AI, artificial intelligence. The Atlantic magazine recently put out its 10 <laughs> breakthroughs of the year mm -hmm. and AI was there. Of course it was there. 
Uh, we mentioned ChatGPT two weeks ago, I think, uh, and it continues to just wow users uh, at uh, its ability to complete language and information requests. We've discussed it, Jordan, writing poems, speeches, essays, computer programming, um, school kids ripping off exams, that yeah, type of thing. No, it's the first bit of AI that's really made the wider public go wow. There's been AI around for a bit, but nothing that's been you know spread throughout the the wider society. So it's going to be interesting. So we thought, Jordan, it was only natural to finish off uh, the year of the weekend review <laughs> by asking Chat GPT <laughs> to write a farewell message to our listeners. So we asked if Chat GPT could, and it duly did within Certainly seconds. Could, yes. So here we go, dear listeners of Sourced. Mm. As we bring the curtains down on another year of Sourced, we want to express our heartfelt gratitude for your support and engagement with our show. It has been an absolute pleasure to share our insights and thoughts on the art of communication with you. And we hope that you have found value in the discussions we've had. As we take a quick break before resuming in 2023, we want to remind you that effective communication is a vital skill that can help us connect with others build relationships and make a positive impact in the world. We encourage you to continue honing your communication skills and to always strive to be a better listener and speaker. (laughs) We look forward to returning next year and continuing the conversation with you. Until then, farewell and thank you for listening. Sincerely, the 55 comms team, which is ChatGPT. It's a fair wrap up. It's not a bad wrap that. Not a bad rap at all. That's I mightn't be here next year. <laughs> that's, that's well done for a couple of seconds. Um, on that note, Jordan, have a very happy Christmas. You too. And New Year. And we'll see you, when will it be? At about the second week of January, we'll return yeah. for the about week. The 14th, I think we're doing yeah, our podcast. That's it. It'll be the weeks in review. Oh, yes. Not the week in review. That's it. Have a great break. You too.